reunion of the Unwanted back July 24th, 2023. Ricky, take it away. What's up? Another Union of the Unwanted episode. Thank you for being with us. Of course, as you guys know, if you're listening to this, you can watch it live every other Monday on Rockfin. We live stream. And then, of course, the audio is available everywhere. The video is available on Odyssey also. So it's not uh, exclusively just on uh, Rockfin, but it's exclusively live streamed on Rockfin. And uh, today we got another great panel, another great group of, uh, of guests and uh, plenty to talk about. We're, uh, any, am I forgetting anything? Am I, I feel like I'm forgetting something before we jump into Nicaragua. You're forgetting nothing. You said it all. <laughs> I'm forgetting nothing. Oh, our merch store, right? If people want to join the union, right? Join the. I know many of our listeners are anti-union, but maybe not anti-this union. And uh, join our unwanted union and uh, get some merch. The links are in the show description, as always. And uh, and that's it. But we were going to kick it off with a, a little conversation about Pasta's little trip to uh, Nicaragua. Uh, home of some of the best cigars in the world, and uh, and then we'll we'll probably from there we'll probably talk about Bigfoot and UFOs. Who knows? We better <laughs> from Nicaragua <laughs> to Bigfoot. Yeah, I mean, I just got back, guys. Uh, thank you so much for always having me on Union and the Wanted. So great to see so many beautiful faces and awesome people here as well. And uh, some of the stuff we talk about over here, I get to go bring to some of the social justice warriors down there in Nicaragua. And I'm talking about the the real social justice warriors. Um, but we did have a lot of conversations this time about the vaccine and talking about how the left got it so, so wrong. And I started going into my spiels about, you know, going through every single part of data manipulation to the history of uh, a lot of these vaccines and, uh, you know, the gain of function testing and, you know, the bioweapons and whatnot. So it was very, very interesting, you know, uh, uh, having a lot of these conversations. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll often start and talk about what is our number one responsibility as far as activists, you know, when it comes to fighting against the empire you know and uh, there were some friends down from down there from black alliance for peace and you know they would always say that hey you know our number one responsibility is to look out for the most oppressed out there and i would say no wrong our number one responsibility is to identify who the real oppressors are and take care of them so once we understand who they are then we can get in the room and decide what's best for us all so there was a lot of great conversations going on but the thing that really really stood out to me this time and i got a chance to go do so uh, was uh, going to this one particular farm in which uh, they got subsidies from the government. What the government did with a lot of these programs when the Sandinistas took power is that we give them livestock. And the next, the babies or the heirs, what do you call them, the heirs? I don't know if that's the proper word, but the children of the livestock, the, the kids, uh, I don't know what the proper terminology is, but they would have to give them to the farming na- neighbor. Uh, and the Sandinistas government convinced a lot of the farmers and the peoples to stay in those rural areas and just grow food. Uh, if you don't know this, Nicaragua is one of those countries that is 95% food efficient. They can feed themselves. So when we were out there for their elections in 2021 and they were hit with the NSR Act, which was more sanctions against the country of Nicaragua, they were like, we don't give a damn. We don't have any military bases, United States military bases in our country, and we can feed ourselves. Uh, but how they feed themselves is really kind of amazing. Like I mentioned to some of you guys before the show started, just eating their food very, very clean, limpio, as they would say in Costa Rica and Nicaragua, uh, clean, clean food. Uh, for the last five years in this one particular farm, they'd switched over a lot of their uh, agriculture from pineapples to dragon fruit, pataya is what they would call it, because uh, they could produce so much more of it. Uh, and they were growing everything up in those farms, but they were doing it 
when none of the GMO factors, none of those crazy fertilizers and no pesticides, uh, it was a work in progress. It took them some quite time to do so, but it was just amazing going to a country where they grow their food and Monsanto's not in the door. So that was one of the most amazing things I got to witness. Uh, also, a guy by the name of Dan Kovalik, had, uh, he's been on a panel before with Steve on Garland's show. Um, this meeting is being recorded. Oh, it is being recorded. Yeah. Uh, I got, he had a book signing uh, you know, event, so we got over there and talked about the history uh, of Nicaragua and what they went through uh, and the Sandinistas government. So, I mean, it was just a, an amazing time. They had their celebrating their celebration. They were celebrating, uh, I believe, 44 years of independence when the, the old Iran-Contra scandal in which the CIA funded a civil war and chaos was in the country and eventually the Sandinistas took power. Uh, and they were able to keep power for quite some time because uh, their form of socialism is kind of like this market socialism of sorts, the Chinese model, the Vietnamese model, where they have certain entities within the government. Uh, the state would then control the health care, would control the infrastructure, would control the hospitals, uh, but they would have private businesses all over the place. So it, it's just an amazing country to visit, uh, to go hang and party with the Sandinistas, but it's going to be very interesting moving forward. Uh, as Daniel Ortega is now 77 years old, he has lupus. Uh, he can still speak in front of a great crowd, but moving forward for that country, uh, it, it's very, very interesting in the neighboring countries around them uh, to see what's going to happen. So I just had an amazing trip in Nicaragua, uh, ate great food, came on back. And uh, like I said, a lot of the stuff, you know, I hear from the truth of the community, uh, you know, I get to talk to them about. So there's some amazing conversations I got to have, and they're very open understanding and learning more. I think they understood too as well that they had too much trust when it came to the COVID-19 situation. But Nicaragua is one of those countries very interesting because the leader Daniel Ortega and the Sandinistas said, plain and simple, Nicaraguans got to eat so no lockdowns are going to happen. Plus, they distributed out ivermectin and Z-Packs and everything else necessary to get them over the hump. They were a great model on what to do when it came to COVID and they never shut down their economy and they've been growing ever since. So just an amazing trip, an amazing time, and uh, I can't thank you guys enough for going to talk about these things. I got to tell people that, you know, that, you know, explain a little bit more about what DARPA is, how Jeff Bezos' grandfather was the first director of DARPA, uh, talk about the data manipulation of the whole vaccine, and, you know, it, it, just an amazing time with people who think so differently than you, but, uh, you know, uh, getting to bring what we, we talk about on Union Under You Wanted, how you guys have all educated me to bring that education over there. Amazing trip, guys. And thank you so much. And yeah, that's just about it. Did you notice a health, health change for yourself at all? Eating all the Yeah, meat? like I was saying, when I, I started eating that food, my eczema started clearing up. Uh, you know, Steve can tell you, I don't know if you guys know, I've been battling with eczema and I don't know what it is. I've been trying everything. I can help you. I can help you. I'm coming to see you today. I'm on the way. I'm on the road. Here we come. We'll go salsa dancing and then we'll solve we'll go it. Salsa you know, a lot of people have taken stabs at it. You know, uh, there's, you know, in the West, they tell you that you can't cure eczema and they only treat the symptoms. So I've been trying everything under you, the sun. Do you, As you know, that you I eat grains? I, that's the thing. I just recently cut out. I've gone keto. You know, I, the vegan thing I did for a while, it didn't help out. But I just went keto. And ever since yeah. I've gone keto... It's yes, really, exactly. it's a lot. The inflammation so, is way, way down. Uh, and plus, I met, I met a truther, a black pill girl on Tinder, and we've become friends. But she's all in the health, and she's been making me these awesome creams and stuff, and they've been really good, made naturally from coconut oil and everything. So Most people yeah, get I'm, laid I'm on Tinder, and you're getting cream. Oh, but, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, pasta, so, that, that is the way to go. And then the next thing is to clear your liver and do some coffee enemas. But for real, you, if you said that you've gone to a lot of people, but no one told you, the number one thing I'd say is cut out the grains and clear, clean, detox your liver. And you can, you can heal. What, what uh, blood type are you? Blood type of O negative. Yeah, I am too. So sure? O negatives do well, do well on, uh, from my informal poll on carnivory or, or protein keto. Yeah. Um, so definitely you can cure eczema. It's like, I got to eat a steak again. That sucks. <laughs> and ex- I have some questions on Nicaragua. Oh, go ahead. So when you said you've, you were, who are you speaking to the people? So, Oh, oh yeah. Um, I have a lot of anti-imperialist leftist friends um, that go down there. Uh, and we went down to first to Nicaragua a couple of years ago to observe their elections. And I've you know, observed elections now in five countries, five Latin American countries. But the way it goes is that the, the government invites you in. They have these delegations. And pretty much you got to play for your flight. And they take care of your housing and your food. Uh, and they ask you to attend a couple of their, their delegations so they can tell you what's going on. So, you know, I was with people close to the government. Uh, you know, I was about 30 feet away from Daniel Ortega when he gave his speech. Uh, and then you meet people from their cabinet and everything. And the vice president of Rosario, she runs pretty much the country while Daniel Ortega takes care of the military aspect of the, uh, of the country. Uh, so you get to meet people in their cabinet would not talk to a lot of them. And, of course, you know me, Miriam, I talk to... Uh, Everybody, the waiters, the bartenders, the, the bus drivers, everything. So I, I talk to everybody to get a perspective about what's going on. That's the way to do it. So in, let's say, Costa Rica, they reversed their stance on COVID and admitted that a lot of the things were illegal. But at the same time, most of the people in Costa Rica, the Ticos, are vaccinated. So what's, what's the ratio in Nicaragua? Are they pretty complacent? Or they are not into jabs? Well, they, they, there were a lot of people who were jabbed up, and I think a lot of people got two jabs, but it wasn't the Pfizer mRNA jabs. They got most of their jabs from Cuba, some from China. And when you get a jab, if you want to get a jab, they lay it out for you. They have these pamphlets that tell you everything about you know what the jab can give you and everything and, and the side effects. So uh, they also offer, like I said, ivermectin packets as well. You know, Nicaragua is kind of like the polar opposite of, of Costa Rica. Costa Rica is pretty much a, a client state of the United States. Um, in fact, I believe RFK was talking about this not too long ago, that the majority of people that migrate to the border, which I've been having a hard time bumping heads with a lot of populist right people who still want to sit at the border and go, look at the invasion, look at the invasion, but not understand there's an occupation going on in Latin America the majority of the people that are coming, they're coming from where? Guatemala, which we've overturned the government how many times? Banana Republic. Uh, in fact, the State Department worked with a lot of people in Guatemala to leave the indigenous people off, the, off their last election. They're going to the second round of their election. Uh, the one country they're not coming from, that's Costa Rica, because that's, that's the one country we've never removed their government because their government has been friendly with the United States and the State Department. So it's a big difference between Costa Rica and Nicaragua. Hey, you said that the COVID inserts g- gave the information, like they the- gave like pamphlets on, on what what the effects could be of the jab. Oh, okay. they, they gave I- you, in other words, their their version of informed consent. And I, I had some people read it to me because it was in Spanish, but you know they, they were saying heart problems on it. You know, what I'm saying 
wow. they were listing a lot of uh, side effects of what they had heard the jabs could possibly were, do. Were they mRNA? They were in Moderna. They were not mRNA. They were not. Well, there you go. They were not mRNA. Yeah. In regards to uh, you're talking about going to see a doctor, I think Miriam and I would both agree that that's all they'll ever do. Even if it's a good doctor, it's symptom management. You said, oh, all they do is take care of the symptom. That's literally all they ever do. So yeah. if you want to resolve a problem, you got to take like be proactive. And I mean, not you specifically, but I'm just saying people listening. If you want to resolve a problem, you have to be proactive, do your own research and uh, actually get try to get to the root cause of the problem. Because if not, th- if you go see a doctor, that's literally all they're going to they're, they're gonna do is give you, uh, you know, something to relieve you of the symptoms and it's not going to resolve the issue. And, th- and then you're going to be stuck on their product forever. So and probably more products because that will lead to more issues and uh, side effects from other drugs and, and so on and so forth. So it's a great business model. If <laughs> But it's uh, awful for your health. And the thing about keto and and carnivore and paleo, there there's similarities with all those diets. It, you're removing processed foods, grains, things that cause inflammation, and uh, you know, and really, I I know that for some people it seems extreme, but the carnivore di- like start with the carnivore diet, like remove everything, and then just slowly start adding things and see how your body reacts to it, and. Um, you know, if you're really, if you have something that you really want to resolve, and that's why so many people have resolved their issues by doing the carnivore diets, the process of elimination and the quality of our food sucks. I mean, we have chemicals everywhere, you know, and, and it, it's just, it's insane. It's not just specifically what we're eating, but what, you know, what it's being packaged with, what's, you know, all, everything. I mean, it's just, it's almost unavoidable unless you're growing and growing and killing your own food, which is probably the best route to go about. Well, hey, pasta. every every week on the show now, quickly, uh, the uh, Texas Slim from the Beef Initiative is doing a segment on AM Wake Up where he talks about what is clean food, what is food intelligence, what is beef intelligence, connecting people wherever they are to where they can get, you know, lo- basically locally raised and if at all possible, locally harvested beef because there's a huge problem in the country with processing centers and that's conversation we can have at a totally different point but uh the i think that like any kind of local option for getting food as clean as you were able to enjoy in nicaragua and i'm jealous and hopefully next year with the garden that we'll have we'll be able to have something comparable you know um yeah, that's that that's key overall. I'm glad you were able to experience that. that hey, Pasta. Rad. Um, next time you're down there in Nicaragua, uh, I'll hook you up with Mike Cobb. He's the owner of ECI Development. I had uh, drinks with him a couple months ago in Mexico. They've built out. They've got three and a half miles of beach down there. They've been building out single family residences and tiny homes. So if people are like, I'm on a budget, but I want to get the fuck out of America and I want to go to Nicaragua and eat clean food, and they're growing food there too at, Plant- at, at Grand Pacifica. Um, they've been able to get their construction issues worked out, and they're really up and running. In fact, he invited me to go down in November, and I might take him up on it because I'd love to go down and see what they're doing. But if there are people that are interested in that, just go to ECI Development's website and take a look and see. You know, I mean, it's an option. It's And, and by the way, they'll take crypto too. So if you want to buy a place with crypto, they're one of the few developers that'll do that. So 
Um, and enjoy. I found marijuana down there, by the way, too, as well. It's not like Cuba where it's like they're really crazy about it. I found marijuana in Nicaragua and I was like, all right, good. I got a connection. Now I can come here. So go. I got everything I need down there. I'd like to share a story about Nicaragua. I, I was, uh, I was studying permaculture there and, uh, it was Guatemala, Nicaragua, and then we ended up in Costa Rica. So we were in a, a, a hotel that we were basically applying what we learned to beautify and, and improve permaculture-wise at the at the hotel. So getting getting to the hostel, my group of like forty all went to this like dingy hostel, and I sprung for forty five dollars a night and went down the street. Well, like three days later. Apparently, Ortega was spraying every two weeks for chikanuya, and uh, a couple was in in the hostel, and they just put a tube underneath the door, not knocking, and just started spraying chemicals, which is like my worst nightmare. And where I was staying, because the woman at the desk was pregnant, she refused the, you know, biweekly or uh, every two week. Um, spraying so yeah that was uh, that was and and a lot of people in Nicaragua go to Costa Rica I don't know if if you came across that or the reason why pasta a lot of Nicaraguans go to Costa Rica yeah. I, I did not I mean and they've, they've had changes in the governments over the last several years um, there's uh, like I said Daniel Ortega tends to run, run more of the military operations. And I think a lot of the internal operations has been handed over to Rosario, his wife, the vice president. Uh, so there's been changes over there. And they had to make a change in their food several years ago. They decided to make a decision. It looks like they're going forth with it. So maybe they had some incidences where they were spraying and they said enough is enough. So, I mean, uh, that particular government seems to, uh, you know, uh, be able to have the ability to change and uh, they've been able to change because they want to keep power there. And, you know, the, the infrastructure has been built out. Uh, it's been improving. They wanted to take us. There was a uh, the new highway that goes all the way from the Pacific Coast to the Atlantic Coast. There's a new highway they just finished building right now, uh, built. And, you know, so it's, uh, it, it's pretty awesome over there. I, I guess they have the ability to change and learn from their, their past, you know, bad habits. You see 5G poles? I did not see any 5G poles. Wow. I didn't. But I, I was only in Managua. Uh, I, I haven't gone outside of Managua yet. I want to go down to those beaches in Lyon and San Juan del Sur. So I have yet to just experience Lyon. the whole country, only one part of it. But I was in Lyon. They do definitely have 5G poles in Costa Rica, and Elon just launched there in June. But yeah. from San Jose all the way deep in the every, every uh, hundreds of feet, there's a 5G pole. I just interviewed someone who was in the military and he was telling me that we're in like a race for the technology and, uh, you know, like 5G, 6G, and that the whole, you know, health crisis around 5G is a psyop in order to uh, de-incentivize the United States from keeping up with the technological race. What do you think? Do you think it's a psyop? I don't actually, but I thought it was really interesting to hear that that's obviously what they're telling them. Yeah. I, I don't know that that's true. I don't know that I agreed with him, but I, I thought it was just interesting that's what they're telling him. Sorry. I don't think so. So personal experience here. So I, I, I am surrounded by computers. There's radio frequencies flying everywhere. 
I had uh, a Wi-Fi node about uh, five feet from me, um, um, and I moved it. And the reason why I moved it is because later on the day, I was experiencing bouts of nausea right around like uh, 7 p.m., 8 p.m. If I was still working down here, I was I started to feel ill. It was like I was getting too much of something, so I moved it. And since I moved it, I have felt remarkably better, and I have not experienced that kind of, of nausea again. And I, I and I, I told my wife this, and she agreed. Like we just, there's just too much of that. It was too close to me, and just moving it literally eight to ten feet away has made a difference. So I can only imagine when you add more generations of cell signals, faster signals, higher frequencies. Yeah, it's going to vibrate some stuff in you. It ain't going to be good for you in the long term. Well, didn't Robert Kennedy Jr. talk about Wi-Fi yeah. in the podcast, right? Yeah, and he did. He, he was made fun of. <laughs> I mean, it has to have some... Uh, you would have to assume it has to have some type of effect on us. It, it can't just be you know something that has zero effect on us. And uh, I, I think like a lot of things like you know, lead and, and gas and, and paint. Sometimes it takes a while before the the science is undeniable that this stuff is, is harming you. And everything's become... It's also the threshold of the toxic burden, right? So, yeah. Mm. Good yeah. point. Yeah. See, when I was, when I was now. talking about this stuff eight years ago, nobody wanted to hear it. You know, when I was explaining that there's going to be more EMFs, there's going to be more stuff, whether you go to a gas pump or you go to a store or you're around a screen, all these devices, you're constantly bathing in electromagnetic fields of all sorts. And guess what you know about them? Very little, uh, if anything. And the thing is, how, how can anybody laugh at the idea that you're constantly being bombarded by these things? I, I, I couldn't understand it, couldn't understand why nobody wanted to hear about it because it was boring. We were talking about different rates, uh, different ways that you get hit with these things. And, uh, of course, Wi-Fi wasn't even as, as prominent eight years ago as it is now, uh, the, you know, the wireless stuff. And like, like I say, you know, between your screens, your devices, your, you know, the computers, you go to a store, you're getting hit with different things, you're getting scanned, you're getting, you know, at some point... Uh, doesn't somebody get a right to ask a question like that? And no, they'd rather mock us instead of, you know, even ask the question, right? There I mean, are it, hundreds of papers that are suppressed. There are scientists that have come up with, we are electricity and water. And like Courtney said, there's people have a chemical body burden, a threshold, but then there's others. I'm super sensitive to the 5G. My, I'm in South Beach now and I'm sleeping like shit. And I know it's because of the... EMF electrosmog. I wear this. This is not a watch. This is, I guess, Shungite. And I wear a pendant. Do they do something? I don't know if it's a placebo, but it's definitely real. It's just invisible. Did anybody watch the movie Thank You for Smoking? Long time ago. When yeah. it came out, I did. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. The very last, or one of the very last scenes in that movie is the lobbyist guy, the cigarette lobbyist, in a room with cell phone executives. And he's like, look, look, just, just repeat after me. Uh, while uh, studies are ongoing, but as of right now, we can find no link between cell phones and blah, you know, blah, 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 cancer. 
or whatever, you know, just repeat Amazing. this. And that was however long ago that movie came out where they were like, and now we've got kids walking around with like little ear mutations or head mutations and neck mutations and shit like that from being all bent over <clears throat> or having something in their ears at all times. I mean, it, is that predictive programming or the sick joke? I little of both, maybe. I don't know. But uh, yeah, Miriam's right. There's been hundreds of studies where they've looked at this and said, oh, yeah, turns out when you hit something that vibrates at this frequency pleasantly with something at this frequency, it really messes it up. And you can do it with eggs. You can do it with plants. You can do it with humans. You can go on YouTube right now and watch eggs that are put next to a smart meter and watch what happens to those chickens when they hatch. It is vile. Vile and the invisible rainbow, the whole book on it. I mean, it was a long time ago, but it's still on the electro, the EMFs. I mean, that's essentially what it's on, right? Uh, yeah. And I had electrical engineers that came on my show to explain about the power lines and stuff like that, and how these different frequencies, you know, it, they could be adjusted actually to make it so that they are not directly harmful, and yet the industry won't do it. Right and now, PG&E wants to dig up everybody in California's property so they can bury the power lines, but they don't. The, there is absolutely no information about how much is, you know, where they're going, what the depth is going to be, what they're going to be wrapped in, how that's going to affect anything that's growing within X amount of radius of whatever it's putting out. None of that shit. People are just supposed to be okay with it. In, sorry. In uh, in 2018, I think the FTC lobbyist Tom Wheeler said uh, that we were not going to wait for any studies and anything and everything that could be connected would be connected. And then under Trump was uh, the 5G fast plan. California was the first state. And as we know, as we were being locked down, these uh, cell phone towers were being put up all over the country. And it was a number one thriving industry. Um, and that's part of their plan. Of course, they want to put this machinery in our bodies. Of course, they don't want to tell you that it might be dangerous to your electric circuit. How about those UFOs? <laughs> hey, funny enough, the, the 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 closer you live to power lines, the more likely you are to have a paranormal or a UFO experience. Ah, I actually saw... So, I was... Uh, Coming from New Jersey, we went to uh, watch uh, Manchester United against Arsenal at MetLife Stadium, and then we, uh, you know, we went out to eat in Newark, New Jersey, because there's a big Portuguese section there. And uh, you know, I drank a decent amount, and then we go to the hotel and find out that Booking.com messed up, and we didn't have a room. And then I was mad, so I'm like, you know what? We're driving home tonight, and so I'm driving home. And so on my way home. Uh, I saw this light in the air and I'm like, I think, I think it's a UFO. I'm like, there's something weird about this light. It just stood there. And I, I watched it for like two hours out of my two and a half hour trip. And it just did not move. It kind of looked like a cross kind of a little bit. Um, I even took a picture of it with my phone and it just looked really weird. I'm like looking around trying to see if there's anything 
around it that looked like it. And I'm like, how is this thing standing in the exact same spot for a two hour drive? And, um, so I'm, you know, who knows what it Swamp was. Gas. Without, without giving away your location, Ricky, uh, you're close to the 40, 42nd parallel, 41st parallel. And I know this isn't the UFO highway that is the 33rd parallel, but, um, there's a really big overlap with that Connecticut, Massachusetts border and other strange sites across the world. And yeah, I wonder if it's uh, the UFO highway of the north, so to speak. Mm. You can also drop down a little further south in Jersey uh, to the area where the Hindenburg crashed around Lakehurst. Mm. Uh, I used to work there and live there, so I know about it. Um, yeah. You can see objects like that. Matter of fact, that's interesting you describe that because I've seen something exactly like that uh, over Tom's River. <laughs> so well, there you go. Well, Ricky, you imagine if you, you saw it for two hours, there has to be some other people in your area that probably saw something similar, maybe posted something on so, so this social is media. About it. Right, right. It, it was like probably something. We went out to eat after the game. By the time I drove home, it must have been like one or two in the morning. And, uh, Cause I didn't get home till like four or five in the morning. And so, um, and the thing is like, it's funny. Cause like as a kid, I think we've all done it where like you look up and you, you just kind of look, you're looking for weird things in the sky. Recording stopped. Oh, somebody's recording stopped. Are we still recording? Yeah, I am. I don't, my oh. recording doesn't say Somebody stop. Else is, oh, wait, did we lose Charlie? Charlie. We must have left. Yeah. We lost Charlie. Well, I got to notice that it stopped. Yeah. They but, got Charlie. They nope. done got ch sand help y'all. He's getting probed. Hopefully the camera doesn't turn on while he's getting probed. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. so it's just one of those things as a kid. I thought it was funny. Sorry, guys. Bad joke. But uh, th as a kid, like you never look up. Or, or I mean, as an adult, you never look up. And I always thought about how like as an adult, like you just hop in your car, you hop out of your car, you, you go to your destination, even when it's dark out, like how... How how many minutes or hours do you actually spend looking up and staring up? But as a kid, I used to do it all the time, and I always used to think I saw things. My my buddies and I would be hanging out on the front steps of my parents' house and just talking and looking up, like, "Yo, what's that?" You know. But and then as as an adult, you just don't do those type of things. Um, yeah, but see, my kids don't look up, Ricky. Uh, they're looking at their devices. I can't I can't stop them. You know, especially since they're adults. Uh, two of them are adults. They're looking down at their stuff. That's what they're doing. They're they're never looking at the sky. But that's kind of my point. My point is like how how often could there be something like that in the air, in the sky, and people just don't see it or notice it because they're just not looking up. But I also want to kind of uh pivot or at least expand on this topic with um, you know, we constantly hear people talk about the UFO psyop. I wanna believe in UFOs. I wanna believe in I mean, I I think we probably are all on the same page to to say that without a doubt we can't be the only you know living thing on you know in this universe and you know with that said is the ufo conversation that's being sparked like is this a part of the plan is it you know or do you think that you know there's multiple psyops going on right like where they're trying to convince you it's not real you know graham's a shit um shaking or uh nodding oh well, what do you think graham i'm sure you've thought about this I think it's multiple, but I can't, I can't even keep track of it right now. <clears throat> I don't know about you guys, but I feel overwhelmed with everything that's going on. I, I don't know. I feel like I don't know anything right now. It feels like the signals are being jammed. With I can't go in topics. deep enough into everything, anything right now. 
Mm. Like, I can't even keep track of the UFO thing. Like, there's this big hearing on Wednesday, and it seems like there's a huge pushback. Like, the DIA and the CIA don't want to disclose all this stuff, and people are all pissed off about it. But I don't even know if they're really pissed off or if that's just a show. I mean... That's a show. I, I want to make a point to it that. It genuine, though. It does seem genuine. No, okay. So, the, it's a real thing, and it's a PSYOP. The PSYOP is part disclosure and part obfuscation at the discretion of trying to handle the narrative the same way they always do it. So they have to overlap with the truth to a certain extent, but that doesn't mean that they're telling it. So for anyone who wants an appropriate and in-depth, long-standing insight into the legitimacy of this kind of phenomena, you can check out Dark Journalist's work. And he's he does a really good job. You can He's still on YouTube. Uh, and that's one of those things where you got to go through hundreds of hours of what's been going on before you can even catch a glimpse of being able to differentiate and delineate between the psyop version of events and the reality that's unfolding at the same time. So it's, it's I just think that's really a huge point. I wanted to, to touch on what you said, Graham, that there's so much going on. And like, I'm covering the proximal origin of a cover up and the, and I have people saying it's a psyop, do your homework, you're brainwashed. And it's like, I'm still wanting to keep track of the narrative that they're co-opting because people will cite polio and smallpox and say it saved millions of people. I'm like, you are witnessing the way in which they co-opt a narrative. So I'm going to keep track because from years to come, you're going to say they did this with COVID. And it's the same thing with the UFOs. There's so much. You have to be able to discern between the tries, the truth mixed with lies. And, and I agree with what Tisa is saying, but I do think, think the phenomena is ramping up. There's more sightings now than ever. I mean, I've been following this for like 10 or 15 years, not really super close all the time, but I feel like it's really ramping up. And and how is the phenomena going to react to this accelerated disclosure? That's sort of my, the big unknown here. Some, you know, we, there's, there's a huge mystery here still. There's this, I mean, this, this subject is pretty much all I think about. <laughs> This is all I think of, especially within the past, uh, I would say, few months. Uh, this is all I think about. So this UFO committee that's happening this week, they have three witnesses, and they're all of high reputation. Ex-government employees have security clearances, but they're all of the new wave of witnesses. You have fighter pilots, then you have a guy who worked in the White House who was told things. Um, they're not any old witnesses or old records they're, they're not asking bob lazar to talk they're not uh they're not citing uh uh philip corso the, the guy who wrote the day after roswell they're not talking to missile silo techs who uh were are on record saying ufos came down and shut off our our nukes it's all the new story so it's all the new narrative and it's like they're trying to erase the past they want to ignore ufo abductions all the crashes. They want to say the UFO uh, storybook starts from 2017 on. That, I mean, if there's a PSYOP, it is that. And much like, much like terrorism is real, they co-opted terrorism uh, by injecting their own groups and their own uh, informants to co-opt that for their own purposes. They'll do, they'll do the same thing with UFOs. Mike, is it is it true, or do I have this right that only one of the people who are uh, who are testifying this week even claims to have had eyes on anything UFO or alien related? Yeah, I think it's the fighter the fighter pilot. Okay, I just put a link yeah, in the chat to a uh, to an independent UAP conference that's going on. 
between academics. They're looking at the reaction of the security state uh, from an objective point of view, from an outsider's point of view, but from an academic point of view uh, to various incidents that occurred, not the recent ones, uh, but the stuff going all the way up to, say, the end of the 70s. Uh, and uh, they're, you know, correlating and, and collating all that stuff. And it's it's an independent research project, which uh, is of interest. And they're going to be publishing some stuff soon. Uh, they're not under government control. At what uh, point? I know a couple of them. At what point does any of the Stargate stuff come into play? I, I, I don't think they like, can mention that. I don't think they can mention yeah. that. That's That's too... Uh, paranormal. Same with the Skinwalker Ranch stuff. That's too paranormal uh, right now. Um, I don't think they can they can really get into that. Um, they have to they have to keep it nuts and bolts, something tangible. I don't mm-hmm. think they can get into the to the the sci the psionics, the mind powers of it. That's that's just too much. Regardless of the psyop. So regardless uh, if we're going to be told the truth or not about this, the reaction of disclosure. That's what they're curious about. How is the worldwide public going to respond to the United States government, the, one of the superpowers of the world, saying, hey, there are UFOs. There are aliens. Essentially is what they're going to say. They're going to say there are aliens. How are economies going to respond? How are religions going to respond? That's the real well, question. That's, that's the part that I find the most fascinating because it's not just about like, oh, you know, green little men or, or whatever, flying objects that we can't really explain what they are. But it's about how it completely changes the way you look at the world, right? Like there's it, it kind of proves that there's something we don't understand about our origin story, about, you know, uh, regard if you're spiritual, religious, whatever, it just it, it throws just another ingredient to your worldview, you know, where it's just like, okay, well, is this another type of species from another universe, another planet, or is this us, you know, that what we're going to end up evolving into? Like, it just opens the door to all these uh, these conversations, and the more they push back against it, uh, the more intrigued I am with it. I mean, it kind of reminds me, I think there's, I think at some point, the Graham Hancock and the uh, you know uncharted x and these guys these type of uh researchers and the ufo conversation are going to cross paths because i think there's some you know and i'm not talking about ancient aliens but i'm talking because uh, i guess in, in yeah, some regards are, right? <laughs> yeah that's what i mean like in some regards they have crossed paths but they you know if in, in ancient aliens were kind of laughed at, right it was like oh this is this is entertainment but we don't you know we don't take this seriously but i think it's going to get to a point where like you have to take it seriously. Well, I think I think why it's not being taken seriously, if I may, uh, is because when you really look at a lot of what's being told about the ancient world, it almost feels like aliens are being used to the same effect as a psyop to keep us away from a greater truth. Now, what that is, I don't know, but there's tons of evidence. I have a book in front of me, you know, 1561, Nuremberg, Germany, there was a UFO sighted. AD 900, Lyon, France, UFO sighted. 747 AD, China, dragons sighted. And even 15th century BC, Egypt, uh, Pharaoh Thutmose III saw a silent, foul-smelling circle of fire and flying disks in the sky. So, you know, Mark, these are... 
things that have been going on for a long time, and I wonder if it's more complicated than this Arthur C. Clarke, Stanley Kubrick, 2001 Space Odyssey narrative than we've been given. I think it's it's closer to maybe, you know, secret cabals summoning demons that then possess our bodies, and, and this whole UFO narrative that's being rolled out in the media is, hey, everybody, the invaders are here, but don't worry, they're our friends. Like, you know, that's kind of the way I'm perceiving it. So, like, can I talk really briefly? Because you're correct, in essence, with everything you just put forward. And the appropriate language sets that we use to go about describing these phenomena is very much revealing in how long they've been going on and ultimately what shape or form they come to manifest as. So, Mike, when you were talking about they're trying to keep it really material, you're so right. Because that's the advanced technology side of things, which overlaps significantly with government interests. And then the other side, when Ricky, you were talking about like what sort of light does that shed on religious practices? Well, a lot of what religious framing of things do is the entwinement between us and nature based on morality. So we can regard that as interdimensional demons in accordance with the force of involution, or we can think of it as an angelic lens. So from a biblical perspective, if they simply accept the language set that something that's an interdimensional force is actually akin to an angel or a demon, it wouldn't significantly change anything about their perspective. If anything, it would reinforce it. So, so much of this is, once again, differentiating and delineating between what is advanced technology that's being put forward in front of the general population in a psyop capacity in order to basically subvert our best interests so that they can lay out a new origin uh, story for the species based on like some sort of royal bloodline from mars or some bullshit like that so it's it's a lot of different things they're all being banged together trying to create the sparks and then whatever sparks within us they'll pick that up and use it as the thread that they try and weave reality with the interesting thing that i'm reading i'm reading i'm reading about stuff like in 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 larger blogs uh, not mainstream, not ABC, CNN, but larger blogs that are getting a lot of traction. And these are stories and and uh, bullet points about the nature of these craft. And like, and these are these are being retweeted. Like, this is like the story. And one of those is uh, is that sometimes when people get abducted into a UFO, uh, when they step into like a thirty foot UFO, it feels much larger in there. Like they're able to shift. Uh, space and time like they walk into a ufo and it's like oh my god it's like uh, three living rooms in here this is amazing um and i'm seeing that repeated over and over again it feels like over the past 50 years they have the, the whoever is behind the scenes controlling the disinformation they have to release some segments that are true flood it with a bunch of poison but there are certain truths that are let out one of those uh, i think truths is that the nature of the interior of these crafts is so remarkable like it expands uh space and time and that is mind-boggling to the people that find these downcraft and they'll just leave them there or or something like that so i think there are little real elements of truth that get leaked out but you got to piece it all together by going back to like listening to parts of what john lear was talking about uh even though he was ex-cia i think there are elements of truth in there yeah and yeah. i think one of the one of the main things they would want to try and control is the is the new technology like the technology that's out there right now that they can control who's going to use this new technology even though they've had it around for who knows how long um i'm sure that's one of the reasons why they want to try and control the narrative as well but i mean look at greer greer had his own disclosure a couple of weeks ago a few weeks ago uh his 2.0 i mean he had like what 1.5 million views in a couple of days i mean he's you know it's gaining a lot of traction outside the government as well 
Well, the, inter- the interesting career? thing about Greer uh, and his disclosure, like uh, his conference that competed with the the other one, uh, was essentially the whistleblowers he brought forth uh, underscored the intertwined nature of recover alien technology and what black projects are doing with that technology, ranging from faster and light communication in Antarctica to levitating u- massive levitating masses to blocks. To using uh, UFO technology for black ops, for smuggling humans, smuggling drugs and guns. That would make sense. If they could recover craft, recreate it, and still and, and then use that to run all these illegal things to make money, yeah, they would. They would absolutely do that. And they, were, they consider themselves above the law. Uh, who, who, who are they accountable to? No one. They don't want that kind of stuff being in the, the UFO committee. So when it comes to like a, 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 a disclosure, it's going to be like 1%. They're going to say, we found a screw in a bolt. We don't know how it was made. You know, something like that. Mike's cracked the code, and this is what CERN is. It's the real-life Silk Road, and it's interdimensional drug trade. That's what's going on. So there's that's what's happening. That's why you never see the kids from Haiti turn up. That's why you never see the kids from Ukraine turn up. It's because they've been put into an interdimensional shipping container and gone off to somewhere else in a parallel universe. You've done it, Mike. You've solved it. I did. Bless you. Along with socks. Steve, I think I think you're making a good point. I mean. It's kind of like you have a puzzle with 10,000 pieces in front of you and multiple people, thousands of people are trying to solve it. And then there's people actively trying to, you know, uh, counterfeit pieces and throw them into the puzzle so that this puzzle never gets solved. Right. And you kind of I was going to say, don't encourage me. That was not. (laughs) Well, you, you kind of have to look at every UFO case individually, but also as a whole. And. I don't know if anyone here has interviewed a gentleman named Chaz of the Dead, but in his book dealing with South America, he covers uh, some really interesting stories that have aspects to these UFO encounters that almost hearken to a drug deal or drug sale or something like criminal organization. Obviously, South America has a reputation for that already, but I think there's proof there maybe that what you're saying is more than just hyperbole steve that there there's an overlap well take a look at uh, attorney general barr's dad didn't he he wrote a book a science fiction book about intergalactic slave trade and this is the guy that hired jeffrey epstein so uh there's got to be some people some old timers that were around that were un- really read into the ufo file and understand what the reality of the situation really is. One of those people probably is Henry Kessinger. He's 100 years old. He's been around long enough, and he probably understands the game and knows what really is going on. So there's probably, I would say, 5,000 people in, in the world that really understand the nature of this reality. And this is the soft disclosure in Star Trek and the reason why Kirk was banging one of every species. It was to get people used to the idea that there was going to be some intergalactic sex trafficking going on. I we really did. We've we've covered a, a some huge ground tonight, you guys. Well, I think you know hey, Gene Roddenberry hey, I, just like to bang people. I yes. think that chick that was in the background of the congresswoman from the Virgin Islands that was taught, you know, the chick with the crazy eyes and that was mimicking the speeches as, as it was going on. 
she was a lizard person. I'm almost positive. <laughs> did you did you see yeah, her? She had she lizard eyes. Out of her gourd. Yeah. It was wild. Or prescription drugs. I mean, they're all so fucked up. It's crazy. I mean, people don't realize how like all these politicians, all these high ranked people, they're doing tons of drugs. They're on prescription drugs. They're sniffing coke. They're, you know, they're all addicts and have psychological issues and are dealing with trauma and none of them are normal. And so I'm not, I'm kind of not surprised. I mean, she could be having some weird reaction to, you know, Prozac or something. Who knows? But it's, uh, you know, or people. definitely focused. He's I mean, a lizard person. Right, in, let's, right on let's there. Let's be honest. Well, you know what's crazy is David Icke got so much shit for this. I remember like back in the day, like thinking like David Icke, I'm like, if he just stayed away from that topic, I'm like, everything else, it makes perfect sense and everything else, you know, is, is provable or whatnot. And uh, I remember like, I'm sure some of you guys went, uh, used to pay attention to Project Camelot. And uh, Project Camelot would have people on and talk about different types of species, different types of aliens and different plants. And I'm like, this is all so effing crazy. And now I'm like, just like most things in my life, I'm like, it's not as crazy as I thought it was. Like in time, uh, you know, things start unraveling and, and just no matter. And we say this on the show all the time. Like no matter how crazy something sounds, you got to entertain it because so many things that seem too crazy to be true in the beginning as time goes by ends up having hints of truth to. The more I look, think about that thing, I'm sorry, Corey, real quick. The more I think about that, that, and the reason we all saw it and the reason everybody was talking about it is because they want everybody to get off of the idea that it might have been like Hunter Biden or White House related cocaine. And they've got to show images of just regular staffers looking geeked out of their gourd at random moments. We'll see a handful of more of these or there'll be a couple of other stories that are like so and so's aide was caught with blah, blah, blah after, you know, the that kind of stuff and it's just it's more muddying the the waters than anything else or she's a lizard person you, you produce a hundred possibilities so that nobody goes for the singular truth that, that, that's the point of it so there you go you throw everything on the table nowadays see it used to be the simple push and pull right we fight against the narrative because here's the truth trying to come out it's the singular struggle it's just a tug of war no 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 more now we throw out 800 options and nobody knows what the hell is going on. So I liked your uh, your uh, jigsaw puzzle piece uh, issue there earlier. That's perfect. Let's manufacture some fake ones, throw them in there, throw the real stuff in, throw a couple of things that are tangible or possible or feasible and throw it all together. And now, hey, just like everything else in life, it's on demand and you choose your own experience. Well, that book, and there was a movie too, Merchants of Doubt, and, and I don't agree with everything about it, but it, it kind of talks about that. It talks about how you don't necessarily have to uh, push back specifically. You just have to give people so much information or conflicting information that people throw their hands up and say, I don't know what to believe. I'm just going to go yeah. with the mainstream narrative. And um, that's typical. You know, most people don't. Uh, do much research and if they do a little bit it can be overwhelming and if you like that i mean what marks that was a perfect metaphor you throw some real pieces with some fake pieces and you never you know and then people just don't know what to believe and uh you know it, we do kind of feel like we live in like a post-truth world where we just you know even at, even ourselves like as researchers you know it just it's hard 
to know, like I said, like what's a psyop and what's a fake psyop and what's a real psyop and, and whatnot. That's why I think Ryan from Last American Vagabond, you know, he's always saying like, Oh, this is a psyop. That's, I'm like, he's probably right. It's probably all a psyop, you know, but it, it's also, you have to kind of pump the brake sometimes and be like, well, okay, what if I'm like too skeptical of everything? And then, you know, now, now something real has happened and, and now I don't believe it really did happen. And that is the problem. It's 35 yeah. years in the JFK research community. I know how this goes. <laughs> so, so well, I got I got to jump in and read this really quick because, uh, my absolute number one most favorite quote uh, in the, in the, uh, in the first book I wrote is from Stephen Bassett the executive director of Paradigm Research Group. It's my favorite quote. I've got 500 quotes in there, and this is number one. And I'm going to read it, because, and I know Mark has read it before because we're all geeks of this stuff. And it, this is the concept. This is what Stephen Bassett says. So just bear, bear with me. Imagine if the truth was a huge jigsaw puzzle, a big box with 20,000 pieces, and it is... The truth, the absolute truth, it is a picture of the world as it really is. You come into this world, you get an education, you are handed this box, and the idea is to put all the pieces together. And if you put the pieces together on this huge table, it will be the truth about the world that you live in. So you set about to do that, all good, a wonderful thing, except there's a problem. Turns out that the government that you are living under has made a decision to interfere with this truth process. It's a political decision being made for political reasons to serve the state, almost never the citizens. So the government has taken a whole bunch of those pieces out of your box and has thrown them away. They're missing. Well, that's a problem, but it gets worse. They've grabbed a bunch of pieces from another box, another puzzle, and thrown them into your box to your puzzle. And now you have to put this thing together with an idea that what you're going to find is the truth. That is an almost impossible situation, and it is extremely effective to serve the state. Okay, Charlie, that is so perfect. I understand why that's your favorite quote, because that's exactly it. It frames the problem as the government, which when you understand it, is the lineage of a death cult that so long as we continue to live in and adhere to, is entwined with the force of involution, which is antithetical to human liberty and the very ability to come into alignment with the truth. So he's actually given away the entire thing. As long as we entertain the apparatus of human slavery, which degrades human consciousness at large, we're going to be forever looking into those little kind of pills that are thrown into us that make us act like that lady so yeah there's there's two people recently that have uh really uh illustrated what it's going to take to to get the truth and there's uh so first one uh black vault he does like the most amount of like FOIA requests concerning ufos and then the new trick that they're doing to kind of obfuscate our, our high documents is to claim that uh the ufo documents that uh, that are being requested are part of a criminal investigation so therefore, they cannot release the documents. <laughs> and so, okay, well, it's wrapped up in the, the courts as part of an investigation. We can't release these documents. And then Dark Journalist uh, uh, perfectly illustrated that now uh, it seems that there's a, a lot of private companies that have cropped up to investigate UFOs and, uh, and uh, advanced tech. 
And they're often led by former generals, former DOD people. They all have government contracts. But all that information and data that they collect is under a private corporation and no FOIA works against them. It is a quasi-fascist state. When Like surround, at, at the very least, the UFO phenomenon um, that's currently going on. So you're not going to get full disclosure because it's all wrapped up in somebody's back pocket. But Mike, hasn't it always, it's always been, been that way? Well, probably since the forties, fifties, yeah. When they they allegedly had discovered the advanced technology and and offloaded it, partnered up with private corporations and said, "You do something with this, right?" Hasn't that always been kind of the plan with like the skunk works of That's the world? That's what uh, Philip Corso and D. After Roswell said he uh, in his book, he said, "I was in charge of distributing this this uh, weird material to like Dupont and some other big corporations to see if they could integrate it into their." line of products and see if we can get it out and it was no longer the property of the people of the united states government i guess that would mean us the the people it was, it's in the the hands of these private corporations so some of them might be just jumping at the opportunity to reverse engineer stuff or to sure. jump in there and get some new technology happening oh boost their r&d like you know by a decade a whole full generation just get handed something take them in a whole new direction create a, creates industries and so like, with, 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 gift. with these whistleblowers um, and like saying that this is a psyop, I, I, I think for the most part, I'm going to say like two out of three of, of the guys who are going to give testimony, um, they believe what they see and what they have experienced. And uh, they might not know that they're part of a psyop, like a classic Paul Benowitz, Mirage Man situation where they're, they're guided. Um, they're just guided in a direction and they, they honest to God believe everything that they have experienced, saw, and they're just testifying as to their experiences. And I think that's the most genuine and easy way to perpetuate the PSYOP is just narrow the lanes, guide them in a direction. And these people seem very truthful and uh, it's very convincing to the, the public. And it's very, I guess, good for news stories on ABC which we'll see, we'll start to see more of. CNN has finally started to cover UFOs. CNN. So you know what CNN is covering this thing? We're in a new phase of UFO disclosure. This is why the government hires Mormons, and this is why the government hires like promise. I'm not even kidding. The there's a disproportionate amount of Mormons in like fairly high ranking positions, and these guys that are in a, a like Judeo Christian fellowship cult group called the Promise Keepers, and they're all self promoting and stuff like that because. They're not going to ask questions about the really weird stuff because it's a little bit too close to home. And they're like, nah, I'm I'm just here to go to work and go home to see my wife and also my uh, hypoallergenic dog. Yeah. Uh, hi. Uh, you know what? I wanted to bring up something that you're talking about psyops and stuff because I, I just did a show on this. You know, uh, for you that don't know, I, I spent a long time in Hollywood and I watched this movie Oppenheimer come out. And I think that there is a psyop operation going on with this. You may not believe that, but I'll tell you why. And then you can. I think we're actually going to see that tonight. But go on. Okay, <laughs> so here's the story. And, and I know that there's people on here also that are not. 
that don't believe that there's a communist uh, uh, aspect to what's going on in our country. So I might be right, I might be wrong, but I did a whole show on it. And uh, I just wanted to propose this. So Oppenheimer is the, was the chief guy of the Manhattan Project. He's known as the father of the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, he was accused of being a uh, communist and a Russian asset, and he was uh, called up. They took his security clearance 50 years ago, um, and he. many people were arrested, as most people know, between 1950 and 1954. He was one of the people that was in a trial. They took his, uh, they didn't accuse him of being a Russian spy, though the Russians said he was. Anyway, uh, here comes 2021. Joe Biden rescinds. Uh, in an executive order, the taking of Oppenheimer's security clearance 50 years ago, he also then reverses the decision of, an, of a group that doesn't exist anymore through Granholm and says that Oppenheimer was falsely accused of communism and of being a Russian spy. Three weeks later, uh, they go into production for a $100 million movie, making basically him a hero. The movie is somewhat of a horror movie about nuclear war and, and what's going to happen at a time when the entire world is on the brink and, and talking nuclear war. The movie comes out this week as they're calling up troops. And I'm looking at this and thinking straight up predictive programming. Now, maybe that's right. Maybe that's wrong. But they do want us to support the idea that tactical nuclear war or whatever is is warranted. So if you really look at the story of Oppenheimer and that Joe Biden's cabinet basically turns around a 50 year old decision of nobody that's alive anymore to, to vindicate him, say the whole McCarthy uh, investigations and all the all the uh, church committee investigations were fraudulent in the movie, if you go see it. And then basically at the end of the movie warns you that if basically, you know, he the reason they made the bomb supposedly was because they were scared Hitler was going to do it first. So then the whole Manhattan Project and everyone, they come up with it. And Oppenheimer said, I now become death. This is big, uh, you know, thing that he's famous for. Anyway, the point is that we are now have a situation where all these psychopaths all over the world that are fine with all of us dying. Noah Harari says that it doesn't matter if there's nuclear war, that the elite have a way out. They have a Noah's Ark, he said. So all I'm saying is it's very bizarre that a movie comes out about the horror of nuclear war going into this, that there were never communists, that that never happened. And uh, let's not let Russia do it first. I, I don't know. I think this whole thing with the Oppenheimer movie coming out here right now is pretty crazy if anyone knows anything about it, but I just wanted to throw that out there. I saw Barbie over the weekend. I missed Oppenheimer. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I think it's really interesting. The three movies that are, are out right now that everybody's talking about are Sound of Freedom, right? Uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie. And I, I do think that the release, like the timing of all three of them is actually pretty interesting. I, I feel like there is some sort of Hollywood is the master of distraction. And I, I do think there is something to be said for the timing. Yeah, that Oppenheimer movie is weird. Why did it, why did Joe Biden remove like reverse a decision from a 50 year old, you know, decision uh, during the McCarthy era about a man two weeks later, Hollywood goes into a giant hundred million dollar uh, production yeah. about the same guy. And now it's coming out when they're all talking about 
you know, well, if if Russia's going to strike nukes first, we better do it first. It's just very weird. I'm just I'm saying like with all the psyops going on, there's so much going on that's yeah. just insane. And I feel like our world is being run by a bunch of psychopaths that are desperate and yeah. really want to get us all so hyped up on one way or another. Yeah. And then I don't know uh, if anyone can go back and look at George Soros, when we were all in lockdown, made a speech at, at Davos, and I just played it the other other day. I swear he's saying, if we don't get the Great Reset and everything we want, we're just going to blow up the world. So it's just a very crazy time to have the aliens and the, and the nuclear war and then this and that. And we're all sitting here like, is any of it true? And if it is true, who's controlling this? Like, it's so crazy. Hey, Only Charlie Robinson's book really explains. <laughs> uh, well, the Department of Defense does have an office in Hollywood. And if you want uh, to yeah. use the aircraft carriers for Top Gun and you want to use the Air Force Base and all that stuff, they got, they, oh, they've got they got final script approval. So yeah. there's a there's an influence in there regardless. I mean, it's, it's not. Yeah, they, they consult back and forth. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. part of the deal. You're going to paint us in the proper light, and that's just yeah. the way it is. And if not, then you can't use our stuff. So, mm -hmm. so that's um, that's See, absolutely true, guys. But here's a big question, though. Look, everybody looks to their time and says, "Okay, this is the time when this is all crazy." And I get it. I get it. That's for sure. And I do remember distinctly in uh, like 1983, because I'm that old, I was sentient at the time, that, you know, there was a big thing about nuclear war and the day after played and, you know, Reagan, I wrote a letter to the White House. That's how they opened my FBI file uh, in the first place is because I dared to write a letter at the age of 12 to uh, President Reagan. Anyways, uh, yeah, and they told me about it in 2007 when suddenly I triggered Homeland Security to come into my wedding. And I actually had FBI snipers present at my wedding. Story I just told on Freeman Fly's show. Anyways, um, you know, fun fun facts. I sit and I listen to a lot of these meetings uh, with John F. Kennedy and the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the military advisors. And I mean to tell you, this idea about we need to strike them first before they strike us, there have been psychopaths pushing for that since before I was born. I sit and I listen to these tapes of these guys telling Kennedy this, that this is exactly what we need to do. We're going to have to hit them first. And he says, well, what happens if we strike them first? What do our casualties look like? Well, it's okay because we'll have 20 million dead. They'll have 80 million dead. That's the way it'll work out. We win. You know, Kennedy, again, I listen to these tapes and I say to myself, this, this is a memorialized recording from 1962, 1961. It's the same conversation that's been going on. This is not new. This idea that we strike first, we might win. That'll be a great thing. This is the craziness that the Pentagon has pushed for a long time. There's always been that contingent. So it's not new. Oh, I know it's, no. it's John Bolton. Did Trump brought John fucking Bolton in. Are you tired? Are you out of your mind? Joe Biden just brought Elliot Abrams back. What? Exactly. What? Yes. Did you not see that? Yes. Joe no. Biden. Yes. Joe Biden said, you know who we need? The demented Satan. Satan's Jeff not available. Elliot Abrams. tried to overthrow Venezuela a couple of years ago. Oh. The guy who organized the death squads back in the 80s. Joe I Biden. Contra lying to Congress, all that shit, and they're bringing him back. Yeah. And they're bringing him yeah. back in a propaganda capacity. 
Pasta, yes. I don't know if you want to expand on this or not, it's, but, I mean, it's freaking crazy. Elliot Abrams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we've talked about this, and this is one of the things, like, you know, when we, look, a lot of people always try to discuss what area was Joe Biden better than Donald Trump, and there aren't many areas at all that you could look to, but when it came to Latin America, you know, Donald Trump was pretty bad, and, you know, was slapping Cuba with sanctions a week before leaving office and labeling them a state sponsor of terror, trying to whack you know, uh, uh, Nicolas Maduro, man. But the fact that he did bring back Elliot Abrams and now here comes Joe Biden once again. It's like this guy is like an evil succubus vampire that just won't fucking go away. And once again, now he's back again. It's it's pretty sad. There was a lot of talks about Elliot Abrams when we were there in, in Nicaragua. It's a brilliant demonstration of the one-party system, brother. That's what it is. It, it is all about the uniformity that comes from the system, which protects itself. And, you know, this whole game that we play one side of the aisle or the other, yeah, that's for us to play. That's for the children. Okay, so you can do that while they're busy with keeping their agenda straight. You know, notice how many people didn't change their positions of power. Oh, Trump is big different from Biden. Yeah, look Look at how many people didn't change, whether it's the post office or the guys at the border. Uh, you know, they're bitching about these floating border things and everything else. By the way, I love that at the very beginning when you were talking about uh, uh, how, you know, basically the point I make and everybody shoots me down for it. You know, if we stop screwing around with Latin American countries, there might not be as many people trying to pour over our border. If we stop screwing with them down there, that might help. But, you know, the proverbial we once again. Anyway, I love it because Biden is no different than any of the animals that came before him. And all I'm waiting for now is for him to bring in, you know, Cheney or a Cheney-like substance into the mix. Because then we know that the next conventional war is going to get, you know, get going because it'll be time to, you know, rebuild and profit from the damage. Because uh, we, we haven't seen that cycle in a little bit, but I, I think it's coming soon, folks. So Chuck. I don't know. Chuck, here's how it works. For every neocon the Biden administration appoints, they have to appoint some woke freak show. So we've got to we've got to figure out who the woke freak show is first. And then it'll be like, oh, wow, we didn't know that Dick Cheney had a nephew that has been living in a cage gorging on, you know, babies and the tears of good the congo workers we all saw the video of getting pulled out of the mine and shit like that that we didn't know but here he is and now this particular cheney is in charge of health and human services that's what they do they recycle in that's what rumsfeld did in this from from the 70s and then you see him back in the bush administration they come in have a high level position they rotate out they go into private business go in the chemical industry for a while they go in the arms industry for a while then they come back into the another administration a generation later rumsfeld cheney again and so now we're going to see that cycle perpetuate itself happen again here here come here comes dick fucking cheney again i wouldn't be the slightest bit surprised. surprised because here we go. Yeah, the Ford administration. Then he goes away for a little while so he can bring you aspartame. Then he comes back. Uh, so you know, yeah, exactly, precisely. What guys, sorry, what do you guys think about them moving uh, the CIA head into the uh, cabinet? You know, they moved, uh, they elevated the CIA head Burns into the cabinet of the executive like they, branch. Like they did with Mike Pompeo when he went from CIA he to State Department. Yeah. He went from he CIA was, to State Department. 
Yeah, yeah he but just, this is yeah. the CIA head being pushed into the executive branch. So the CIA. Oh, that was is, yeah. They did that with George H. W. Bush too. That, yeah, yeah, so that's this happened. Burns yeah. guy now. It has. What does that mean? I think the CIA should be dismantled. I think it's very no, scary. I agree. I agree, I agree with you. Shouldn't be expanded. Well, they but should all be dismantled, but that's not going to happen. Well, you know, but that's you why should. we're they, different well, agencies. And, they, now, yeah. and at the very least, they should be separated. Right now, like, we have this illusion of having these separate intelligence apparatus agencies, and they are all colluding together. Like, I didn't even know that apparently, I mean, it's really obvious that the CIA and the FBI work together, but I didn't know that Obama actually passed a law in 2008, or mm -hmm. Bill, uh, that says that under certain circumstances, the CIA has complete purview over the FBI. And that if you think about what they're supposed to, what their jurisdiction is, the CIA is supposed to be overseeing foreign intelligence, right? It's reconnaissance overseas or, or in other nations. According and the FBI to their is supposed to be seeing, uh, right. uh, overseeing domestic. And they're not. They're, they're basically just weaponized against the people. Oh, and make no mistake. But they're all working together. Yeah, the FBI operates internationally. The CIA, which is not supposed to operate domestically, constantly does. It had its largest CIA. And not species. only that, but they work together. They're pooling all the Please. surveillance and resources, and they're working together. They're supposed to be part of the, you know, they, they compartmentalized everything, you know, not for necessarily great purposes. They did it mostly so that you don't have a bird's eye view of yeah, the big but, picture, right? That's why they compartmentalized. But they were supposed to be compartmentalized, and they're not. They're colluding, and they're working. They're basically just one giant apparatus that's you know all did he sign that law or did he sign that executive order after the anthrax scare and i think you guys would have a lot to say on what exactly that anthrax situation right. allowed to happen after i have george wedge webb coming on tomorrow we're going to talk about i it. just oh, wow. did a two-hour episode with him in person last night nice I had on the guy Hatfield, who was accused of being the anthrax guy two days uh, uh, uh three days ago i i never talked i mean this guy's very strange yeah, but but you know he tells the story and it's really weird. I mean I don't know what happened there, but a lot of I, I mean do you do you, what happened there, Pasta or Courtney? Well, I mean because it that's seems like I'm, a lot of shit guys, happened. Yeah. The, the, didn't the anthrax? I mean the anthrax situation allowed for executive orders uh, for certain situations to happen. I believe at Courtney's event, didn't he talk about anthrax and he was talking about Malone and yeah. all nine guards? But I think that it, the, the anthrax situation. Uh, what came behind it was a, an executive order or a law that was passed um, that allowed the, the security state to expand more of their powers, I believe. Oh. I'm not, I'm not it sure was yeah. two part after 9-11. Well, like you know, yeah, and right after 9-11. And it yeah. also was, I mean, I, I think it was multifaceted because part of it was also that whole PSYOP. Remember, there was that whole anthrax scare. It was very similar to to covid and the the fear mongering and the fear campaign they did with covid but with the anthrax like i remember they were talking about like you might get an envelope in the mail right yeah i, I had on the them. guy that was accused by the government that worked for the government hatfield is his name yeah each the he government for eight million dollars and one he, they totally made that whole thing up he told me he did totally crazy i mean the whole anthrax thing was a total fraud and Just yeah right their power Right oh. before, right before nine eleven, there was an event two zero one like simulation held called Dark Winter, where right. they focused that was on, on smallpox. Though Dark Winter yeah. was about smallpox, 
It yeah, was a, but it, uh, yeah, they it was they a, had like similar scenarios set up where there were it it was sent through the mail and shit like that, and they yeah, were tra- uh, and it was focused on smallpox, which which is what I think personally that uh, Biden kept referencing. Remember, he kept saying it's going to be a dark winter. Yeah, and that was all I could think about. I'm like, oh, the dark winter simulation. Like that's totally what he's referencing. I I mean I don't know, but that that's what went through well, my and head. And they kept dropping the word lockstep around the same time too. Yeah, which was that was the document in uh in, in 2010, and that document it was uh pages 16 to uh, 26 of uh, the Johns Hopkins uh, scenarios from a technological future. That document, which I think was like a little over 100 pages, but they had several scenarios. They had four. There was a there was a it was like a hack sack and like uh, and there was the, the cyber uh, polygon scenario and, of course, lockstep, which, you know, that's the more well-known one because it was so similar to what was rolled out with COVID. But honestly, when you look through what happened with COVID, a lot they kind of pulled from all four of the scenarios. They just pulled more from uh, Operation Lockstep. But yeah, Does I anyone mean- have any ideas on how we're going to save ourselves Part of the anthrax, uh, part of the anthrax. Yeah, well, we always are, though. You know, this is the thing. Part of the anthrax spectacle, though, was was purpose to see what it is they could drag into the real world. Because again, if memory serves me real well, and it does, uh, you know, they they were there were events where people were dropping powder. There were events where powder was showing up in the mail. There were events where these things were happening in real life, even if they were hoaxes, right? And so they got the vaccine brought in. Sorry. Well, yeah, but the vaccine wasn't even the point, I think, at that time. Uh, it just based no, on no, what no, it was. They injured a lot of people. There's a documentary called Anthrax. I'm just saying it's part of their package. Okay. Like, Great. Bring- not, not part of what but, I'm but talking about, also- though, at all. Oh, sorry. I mean, there was the whole Corona Thrax. And if you think about, like, even just with uh, COVID, like, they kept uh, part of what they kept talking about was how it lives on surfaces. So we'll just take aside the whole debate about viruses. But if you believe that, traditional narrative around viruses they they're not living right so and they certainly don't live on surfaces so why was it that they kept encouraging people to go and buy all the lysol and wipe off all the surfaces what lives on surfaces bacteria lives on surfaces anthrax is a bacterial agent so i i do think they were doing experimentation this is part of what uh george webb was investigating uh to do like a hybridization type of uh testing uh, for it to roll out for the future, and they're they they were also working on anthrax vaccines. Mm. So, and I think that I, part of it is also the you know the cancer uh, research and creation. I I think we could speculate that that's probably. Well, and and I think the anthrax thing, like somebody mentioned, it was uh, the, the anthrax attacks or, or scare was right after nine eleven. Yeah. Everybody petrified. And uh, I, I shared a documentary. It was by uh, Robbie Martin, Abby's brother. Uh, it was called American Anthrax. It's older, but it was good. And it was uh, it showed all the holes in the story and how they're fr- trying to frame certain people and the fact that it came from a military lab and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it was quite obvious that they were using it to just get people very edgy and afraid. And then that way, 
when we're not thinking logically and we're thinking emotionally, you can some way convince people to go into countries that have nothing to do with the attack that you're all upset about. So, uh, and it worked. So, yeah, you know, yeah, there was definitely fear campaign around. And remember the, the, uh, code red, code orange. It's like every other day we're code red, code orange. So people were just, you know, at the edge of their seat, freaking out all the time. Or, and, and similar to COVID, it's like, you know, we're, we're, locked down in our house and it's like okay how can we make this end how can we make this end it's like get the vaccine and same thing with like after after september 11th it's like we're so afraid of the of a terrorist attack how do we make this end just let us invade iraq and afghanistan and then it'll all go away you know so and it's like, uh, just roll out the patriot act and department exactly. of homeland security and we'll just obliterate the fourth amendment and by the way we'll just have machines that take naked photos of you every time you travel no problem okay I mean, that's really what they did. And yeah. I think, think about it, like that's aspect, what they did. The bacterial aspect of their so-called vaccines, let's not forget they grow, they use E. coli to grow their mRNA. The, the, the anthrax perspective, like there's a book called um, Biological Weapons regarding uh, Ken Albach and mm -hmm. George Webb knows about it. But the, yep. the bacterial aspect is not... With Malone. Yeah, yeah. yes. Um, and for Diedrich, they shut it down and they used it for the Patriot Act. It's like a two-one part, like 9-11, uh, then anthrax, a corona, and then George Floyd. They do this two-part whammy to bring in, encroach on our rights. Yep. That's and you were talking about the Hatfield, uh, Dr. Hatfield. There was an interesting interview. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I watched somebody else do a commentary on this interview with the... Uh, Cooney, Malone, and Hatfield. And it was very, there was one point that was really interesting where he was talking about how uh, we need to centralize and, uh, sorry, decentralize. And essentially, though, what he was saying was that, like, you know, they needed to take all these local departments that were basically, as he, he quoted, to quote him, he said, stacking the bodies. Um, and we need to go through all of them and have them report directly. And essentially what he's saying is they need to report directly to the CIA. So by decentralization. Wait, Hatfield said this or Malone? Malone. Malone. Oh, right. Because Hatfield does, Hatfield thinks that it's all totally effed up. Right. Like he, my, my, my interview with him will go up on Wednesday. He was okay. set up and it was out of Fort Detrick and all that. But yep. listen, this guy is like, he came into the White House during COVID and, and like out of out of the shadows and was like, this is a playbook. This is all bullshit. <laughs> like he goes off on like the entire apparatus and what he dealt with because he had to fight the government. Very few people win like he did. He won eight million dollars that they set him up. Um, so like, you know, it's really I mean, this is nothing new. The problem is that it continues and it continues and it continues and they play the yeah. same book and you forget and they come back and they do it again. And. And the truth of the matter is that, you know, like like you are all saying, it's a revolving door. The same people. There's such a small group of them that yeah. it's it's shocking that we that they get away with it so much. Well, I just want to say yeah. from an esoteric perspective, first of all, all of your commentary is brilliant and wonderful and I love you. And in essence, what they're doing is they're mixing with emotion. And that's that's how this works. That's like 95% of our subconscious is in that realm. So they're literally going to poke and prod us with whatever evokes us in that particular direction. And then that's the thing that comes manifest. It wasn't that it was a reality. It's that we co-create it in reality. And that's ultimately the underlying message that we need to fundamentally come to grasp as a dynamic. It's not us talking about they, it's us talking about we. 
and and that's that's really where we're at within this kind of revolving door matrix because eventually it's just going to swing so quickly that the revolving doors we're caught in are going to become guillotines so yeah i, I totally agree with you that was said so perfect i really love what you just said yeah t, t snyder how often are you going to pull thoughts directly out of my brain and articulate them better than i could exactly because you're doing it a few times here you're, you're killing me man you know i love you chuck <laughs> 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 Sorry, had to point that out. Absolutely, perfectly articulated. Thank you. No, night, everybody. and good night. There we go. <laughs> <Next> drop. <laughs> That's rare for that to happen on this show. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it was it was Malone who said it, but I just thought it was interesting that he kind of said. That you know it should be reporting directly to the CIA. Mm. He basically said that, and uh, that his That's idea. That's bad idea. He, his idea of decentralization was to have lots of little agencies that are local that you know wipe out all the middlemen and go directly above. Uh, you know what I found fascinating though is I started looking at the 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 uh, you know the area of virology to begin with right as a science and uh, uh started having things pointed out to me that you know what there's a whole lot of things there that undermine it in a scientific way the scientific method not applying to a bunch of the things that are taken as trust the science here we go we know about viruses you know i keep asking for does anybody have a photograph of one uh and we don't get to see that actually it's always an illustration but you know forget that that's okay maybe they can't show you okay Okay, fine. But I started looking into it, and there are actually people it's out there. microscopic, so you can't see it. Yeah, but you can photograph things that are microscopic. There are no, ways it's sub-microscopic, it. though. It's oh, sub-microscopic, yes. yes. Allegedly. But right. the point is. <laughs> but definitely, definitely too big to make it through your cloth mask. Uh, oh, sure. and, and definitely too big to make it through uh, just the the bottom half of the dining room. Just the top half is where it can pass through, but the bottom well, half where no, you're No, 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 it's because it has, a, it has a GPS in it. That's what it is. So it knows yeah. when you're sitting, it right. knows when you're standing. It also has a clock. That's why it knew when your curfew was 10 o'clock. And, so and a morality sensor yes. that can tell when you're up this to no good. This is why it's a so novel you, virus. Yes, that is a novel, novel a aspect. That's why the curfews are necessary, right? Just like the freaks. Yes. Hey, I was just about to say, coronavirus comes out at night. We were supposed to wrap everything in plastic to avoid the anthrax, right? Everybody remember that? I mean, everything we were supposed to wrap in plastic. That That's a perfect protector. Just there the were people that were sealing their houses up, I remember. I know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, that was the thing. In theory, I mean, if you're just going based on theoretical models, anthrax is is bacterial. So wrapping in plastic actually has a little bit more logic to it. But buying Lysol and wiping off your surfaces for a quote-unquote virus, you know, when a virus is uh, based on the theoretical model that they purport, you know, it's oh. not living. So oh my God, what Courtney. is that going to do? Like, okay, I got to tell a story. This is not as serious as the conversation right now, but the, the idea that the, it has a little bit more logic to it. So when I was, I'm in Canada, when I was out uh, locked in, out of everything, uh, I'd just be walking around my neighborhood and I was petting a stray cat, but it's just like hanging out by this cat. Oh, and the boy. neighbor comes out of the house and he's like, excuse me, I'd really appreciate it if you didn't pet my cat during an, uh, 
a public health crisis because then I have to sanitize him again. <laughs> this dude is sanitizing his cat <laughs> just because a stranger is panicking him. So I don't know if people are up to the point of logic when it comes to any of this stuff. So, so the cat that might be, uh, you know, uh, rooting in its own feces, that might be rolling around on the ground, that could be eating God knows what, that might have been alive, dead, or otherwise, he's worried that you touched the animal. Like, yeah. he can get toxoplasmosis, which is a parasite, which yes. infects yeah. people, which is serious. Yeah. Yes. It is serious. Yeah. That's where the term crazy cat lady comes from. It sure does. Yes. Jimmy Dore has a part in his bit where a show where he's like, you know, talks about like wiping down a cantaloupe or something like that. Being like, what the fuck am I really doing? That's what Yuri Bezmanov talked about. Demoralization. That's a demoralized person. You will believe nonsense at that. You'll stand on the dot. Destabilize go one, and one direction yeah. down a grocery store aisle. But that if you're yeah. doing that, and now because that guy got a Broke. vaccine injury, he's a crazy right winger for getting a vaccine injury. Mm-hmm. Right? That's just how that works. Injury is totally the prerequisite for delineating your political identification. There was actually a study or um, insight into the political demographics internally within Canada, and it revealed exactly that. It was anyone within the margin of sustaining an injury voted a particular direction. Anyone who was insulated from reality voted the exact opposite. So you're 100% on point. So one of the side effects of the jibby jab is it turns you into an alt-right conspiracy theorist. There you go. I mean, isn't it that anyone that actually believes that there's a left or right right now is mentally ill? I, I don't even understand anymore that anyone believes that there's a left or right or is even playing along. I don't even know what's happening. The, the biggest problem is that we can't even uh, participate in our elections unless you pick a team and both teams suck. I mean, yeah. we're risks, but yeah. to not vote at all, then you know what the goal is to have a one party system, except for that one party isn't left or right or Republican or Democrat. Right. It's going to be straight up globalist. So I, we're in, we're all kind of screwed if we're if we have to play the game to participate. But most sane people that are honest with themselves know that the game is bull BS, you know, right. so well, Washington warned us of this. Washington yeah. warned us of this in his farewell speech. True. He warned us. He the- parties. Washington's yeah. the one that said if there were parties, they would end up fighting each other instead of work for the people. And that it would open the door for foreign entanglements. Which That's why I crack up. That, exactly. That's why I crack up at the people that say, oh, the election was stolen. I say, stolen from who? Because you didn't own it in the first place, so it couldn't have been stolen from you. Uh, and if you didn't realize that, I mean, welcome to planet Earth. We have water here. There are people. There are other types of animals, and there are shrubs. Uh, just saying, you know, uh, you will learn this as you get here. But come on. They stole I'd like, it. I'd uh, like to add to Mel's point. I was on a Twitter space, and uh, there's, like, staunch RFK people and staunch Trump people. And I was like, look, like, you should read Tavistock and if this was this is about teen humanity versus whatever the fuck is going on and if they really cared Trump and Kennedy would get together and yeah. surpass tra- transcend these I still left think they right might. they still might just they, because it's strategic mm-hmm. I, I do we're Run gonna announce it on UFC right during the Zuckerberg <laughs> Elon Musk fight 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, you thought you were here for a show. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And then they'll come running in and it'll be like, I don't fucking, they'll, they'll start to the strains of like Lee Greenwood, but then it'll turn into, you know, something a little bit more like new, new Americana y. Yeah. Fantastic. Right. Right Resident before Mountain right Dew before. Camacho. Hell yeah. I just saw a thing for Mountain Dew flavored hot dogs and I don't even know if it's fake. I really don't. That's how <laughs> fucked up the world is right now. I don't know yet. Maybe they were always the same <laughs> no, thing. It's not fake. Right. Oh, God damn. Well, I was trying to make the point of if this was real, then they would band together because it's about team humanity instead of dividing and conquering the people. I think they might band together, but not because they're uh, not because it's about team humanity. Although that that would be right. the right thing to do. I think they might band together because strategically they have a lot more of a chance together than they do uh, separately. So I thought it was weird seeing the Schlossberg kid come out and just totally tear his uncle apart. I thought that that was just sad in general for humanity. Did anyone see that the 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 kid come out? Uh, I think it's his. His sister, or uh, whatever it was. Um, oh no, it's uh, JFK's grandson, and he like made this whole speech. And then he said in the speech how great of a president Joe Biden was, and how much he's done for the economy, and what he's done for Ukraine. And I'm thinking, this is JFK's grandson. What happened to this kid? How much did he get paid? And how, why how did the MK Ultra treatment right. did he get? The Dems hate our. He was reading the script for sure. Well, why is that. it that the, the, the Democrats, like I have a vaccine injured colleague who is still trying to placate the cult that she's part of instead of realizing these people are not your friends. And she says that the Democrats, she's because she's vaccine injured, she likes RFK, but she says the Dems hate, hate him. They do. And according they do. to this, if you guys saw the hearing last week, so now warning African-Americans um, hey, you're the number one vaccine hesitancy group. Maybe you want to look into COVID. That's racist now. And saying that if you're Chinese or have a, or Ashkenazi, you have a less proclivity to catch this virus. That that is anti-Semitic. I mean, it's nuts. I, They're I scared. That the the political discourse that's being brought to the table and a, and a comatose nation is so important. I know you know. Me, Steve probably disagrees with me too as well. But, you know, I've sat next to Steve and heard him talk about SSRIs, you know what I'm saying? Nobody else has mentioned that. He's bringing that kind of stuff to the table that's never wouldn't be brought to the table if he wasn't running. You know, I'm not supporting him at all. You know, I, am I a little bit biased to, towards him? Do I think he's the best candidate? Yeah. But, you know, I'm just happy for the political discourse that's being brought to the table. So I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. That wouldn't be had if he wasn't running. Here no, and I think that's the, what a lot of people liked about Trump in the beginning. You know, I think that that's why he was a populist or considered a populist uh, candidate, because he was raising conversations that really weren't had previously. And I, I do think RFK is doing that now, uh, which I think is a facts. great thing. RFK brings, RFK brings facts and he's sober and uh, meaning genuine, appears mm -hmm. genuine. So well, and the other difference is that RFK put in some work before he made these statements that they're that they're going after him for. You know, Trump put in no work. All right. He threw a bunch of stuff on the table and tossed out, oh, you know, uh, the Bushes were wrong about the war and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All that crap he threw out there. Sure, he was right, but he didn't put in the work beforehand. RFK's actually done some work. Tried to, I can't you know, imagine, though, the shit, you know, as an anti-imperialist leftist or whatever the fuck you want to call me nowadays. 
the shit I am getting right now it is just beyond the attacks I'm getting, possibly, you know, the private DMs. And it's like, dude, I'm not supporting him. I don't stand with his stance on Israel. I don't like it at all. However, it's the political discourse I'm concerned. I, I'm very appreciative of. And that's where I'm going to stand. And, and, you know, the thing that really sucks is I'm the one who fucking went and asked him about Israel-Palestine. You know what I'm saying? It was me who went to fucking New Hampshire and did it. But yet I'm still getting kicked well, in the hey, pasta, the, right pasta, the people that are DMing you saying they can't believe you're supporting RFK, who would they like you to support instead? Nobody. They just want oh. to blow up the whole system and stuff. But okay. here's the thing a lot of these people can't realize. A lot of these leftists don't understand. It's like, dude, first of all, if there is a revolution, it's going to be a right-wing revolution. You know, we're outnumbered over here. Three to one in the United States. It's, well, it's be not going to be a right-wing right revolution. revolution. The so. revolutionaries are, it, it's always dialectical, right? Who's yeah. who's funding the revolutions? Let's be real, right? But ideologically, who do they align with? So it's, it's the monopoly capitalists and the Fabian socialists who align with the Marxists, the communists. I, I mean, it's not it's not going to be a quote unquote right wing revolution. That's yeah, a, it's yeah. never been. I'm just saying the right wing in the United States has the guns, and that that's the thing that's you know. It's not going to be a kinetic revolution anyway. Yeah. When I is don't the revolution? So. Yeah. Sorry, you mean that the pendulum is going to swing the other way that we may see like a extreme right where it's the complete opposite i well, this I, that happens throughout yeah, history the, the america has this tendency to overcorrect and yes. in the extreme yes. and if america decides that it's sick to death of the woke culture nonsense the likelihood of it actually going in a handmaiden's tail direction is exponentially greater than it ordinarily would be I, in a society yep, of people 100%. who didn't constantly walk around with their heads up their ass well i i would just want to really like encourage people to not engage in that because they I, this pendulum swing back and forth is a managed dialectic. The purpose yes. of it is yeah. to divide and conquer. And it, it, it's completely manufactured. And what they're trying it, to do is get a reaction. And they want a reaction. Also, you know, we're asking for sanity. Yeah. That's all. That's that, all, That's what we're we want. We're not going to get it. We're, we're demanding sanity. Right wing, sorry, this armed right wing, far right wing militia that everyone thinks exists, this like white supremacist, far right wing it, I, I don't know who would know uh, that it does, but I can tell you that I don't believe that that exists. It I don't think and, that, and, and I understand that it's okay to repeat that because it's out there and it's it's cool. But I'll tell you, I, I don't think that that exists. And Patriot if it does, front. It's a That's what they are. Well, I, I will tell you my my thoughts on that is all group of losers. Nobody. I, I don't. I, I've been all over the country with right wing people. I don't. We've never seen anything like I, that. I think well, that, I would that, say that even if it exists, one, it's not organized enough in order to have any kind of an impact. It's like you said, it's small, you know, it's ineffectual, but most importantly, it's not organized. And so therefore it is ineffectual. The other, the other factor here is that really their goal is a digital, like a tech, technocratic takeover. You know, yeah. I think they're trying to create this, uh, you know, uh, dialectical, between East West, which is, you know, communist and fascist back and forth. And then ultimately their goal is technocratic takeover. You can't shoot your way out of digital prison. 
That's true. It doesn't true. matter how many guns yeah. you have. You're not going to shoot your way out of a digital true. gulag. And That's I just, absolutely true. And one, one quick note for everybody. I want everybody to just realize that we haven't heard from American Antifa for quite a while, have we? Uh, their funding must have dried up. I guess the government didn't need them anymore because that's what they were. Oh, oh, ready. I, right, I don't ready. know those, about those that. Same, I think oh, those same people funding America Antifa are right now funding something called de, uh, Demand Citizenship. So, so get ready oh, for the for the NED and Is everyone else. Yeah, and I think them. they're really. I I think they're the gearing money. up for false flags, and I I think they really want to see uh, reactionaries react. And I think they I think they're gearing up for it. So we may not have seen it, but it's I, I almost think they're gearing up. it's they false flag almost flag. election season. They're gonna come back around. It's, it's like it's like flag once once we get to February of 2024 and it starts to be like sweeps week or whatever, you'll you'll see a bunch of you know black clad skinny jeans wearing freaking idiots yeah. trampling and tramping around. They're hiding in the bushes. Guys, I got to get out of here. I got some family. Well, we're wrapping it up. Let's do this. Uh, uh, Pasta, on your way out, uh, where can people find you? Where can people uh, catch your shows and support you and your outstanding work in Cuba, by the way? Thanks again for going down there and taking those uh, those, uh, baseball supplies to the the kids. That was really cool to see that. And and thank you, Charlie Robinson, for... uh, helping support that man that was pretty awesome. oh, my uh, pleasure i would love baseball I that I'm recently man. too as well in, in in uh nicaragua showing some people and they you know my target audience was you know not the the crowd i usually roll with when i go to these events when i go down to the you know latin america i was trying to reach a different audience it's just to you you know humanize people you know across the globe you know i'm trying my hardest to do what I can do. But guys, thank you so much for supporting too. You can always go to Steve. Is it called Twitter? Or is it called, what are we calling it now? Uh, X? Yes. My, uh, it's called American WeChat. That's it. Yeah. You go to that's my, what he said he wanted. And did, did you guys WeChat. see that, that he said that in a video, he was saying how it could take over like 65% of the global, uh, yeah. you know, financial system. I would, yeah. I, I remember say, one app to control them all. And I remember when I was getting shit for pointing this out because I hadn't given Elon a chance. And it's the freest. My personal experience with Twitter is doing better. So that makes anything that Elon does ever okay. And it's like, dude, if you were just a little bit. If you were just a little bit more long term in your selfishness, this could could work out so much better. (laughs) Uh, Eve Poikinen, where can people find you? Well, I didn't finish up real quick. I have to just want to say <laughs> on that Twitter or X or whatnot. You can see all my links there. You know, as I plan to get ready for the campaign season and go around the the the, the states and chase okay, these guys down yeah, and ask them the tough on. questions. So thank you so much hey, uh, we, for having uh, me I'm, on, I'm, guys. I'm wrapping up the Thanks for coming on, Steve Poikinen, AM Wake Up. For what you, sure. What you, what you boys up to? I saw you're always up to no good. It's fun. It's just good, clean fun. It is. We're just asking questions. Um, oh, got a bunch of good stuff coming up. Um, so uh, Ryan Christian is on every Tuesday. Got a weekly segment now with Texas Slim where we're doing uh, beef intelligence, food intelligence, answering questions about that the uh, uh, how, what, who, how, when, why of localizing your your food supply, which is critical in this particular era of complete 
food fuckery. Uh, also, yep. starting uh, starting Wednesday uh, with uh, with my my buddy T. Snyder. We're going to be doing a a weekly segment, which I'll let I'll let Tease get to that if he wants to talk about it. We'll we'll let him play it. But uh, Monday through Thursday, right now, because my kids are here doing AM Wake Up Live, seven to ten AM Pacific. Slow News Day happens on Sundays at ten AM Pacific. I do a show called Blunt Force Wisdom. My friend Sugar and Teal um, sometimes because everybody's got weird schedules right now and it's fun it's a total checkout from everything that we normally do um so look for that that's on the slow news day rock fan and as always thank you gentlemen for uh for inviting me on the best ensemble podcast in the multiverse you guys are are freaking amazing we appreciate you and that's the show to watch in the mornings when you're getting ready to go do something else uh, throw it on the rock fan. Tease. Speaking of Tease, what's going on with, with conspiracy synergy? Yeah, so I know you're working on some yeah diabolical project. You always are. Yeah, so the art. So I'm an artist. Uh, the show that I host is Conspiracy Synergy, and it's designed to show off the alternative media community to the entire world. There is a particular special segment that involves a huge number of people who are guests on this show that I'm working on, and that's going to take a really long time. But what Steve was talking about that I'm going to be doing on Wednesdays now is co-hosting a segment called when's a good day to start a revolution wednesday and we're going to do that every wednesday and we're going to use it as a platform engagement with the audience in order to incentivize people to go out there and host events because what the predictive programming has done first and foremost has taught us that what revolution is is fighting but that's not what revolution is revolution is us getting along with each other so we need to come back to a point of community and seeing one another as neighbors rather than as enemies and that's what we're going to be doing together every wednesday so i knew you'd put a big smiley face face on that somehow i just knew it you always do graham what's cooking with grammarica oh man well we got uh we're doing extra episodes on grammarica outlawed and i started up a twitter account please follow me grammarica outlaw because darren can't get his back he's tried like 50 appeals and elon won't give it back so he's the most censored indian in canada right now yeah he um, is. and we got some tickets left for uh, randall carlson's montana mega floods that's on september 18th so go to contact at the cabin.com if you want to get away from all the hustle and bustle and check out the uh, awesome scenery in montana and how the floods from 12,000 years ago affected it. And uh, so what else? Rad. That's about it. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, you can't get that education yeah. on the, just on the discovery channel. You got to do that for yourself. That sounds like so much fun. I, one of these days, I swear I want to do that. Uh, Miriam, are you, how are you? You okay? Yes. I'm, okay. I'm healing. I'm healing. I'll be, I'll good. be good when I can walk fully again. Well, so we're I'm- hoping we're sending you good vibes. Thank you. I'm a big fan of stem cells now. Uh, oh, yeah. If anyone has a knee injury, do not get surgery. Try not to get surgery. So I, in my final throes of finishing my book, can't wait. And um, I'm, I am putting together a commercial that I filmed in part with Courtney. It's be a sequel to my VMVD, which is vaccine mania and vitriol disorder. This is, uh, do you suffer from JJD, also known as jib-jab denial? So I'm putting a little spoof together. And I just finished up a report on the proximal origin story. Cool. Most people don't know that they, the government put out a 55-page report 
called The Proximal Origins of a Cover-Up and then redacted it less than 24 hours. So I've been doing a deep dive to try to keep track of the tries, the truth mixed with lies. People can tune in to Truth Lives Here Fridays at noon. And I'm always grateful to be here. Thank you. We're, we're glad to have you. Courtney, what are you working on these days? Well, I just got back uh I guess Saturday morning, we were in Florida, we were scouting for the next cause fest and we think we're going to be doing it August 13th or 15th. We're still locking down the venue. So that's a, hopefully, hopefully we'll have that updated pretty soon, but you can go to my website, CourtneyTurner.com and on the events page, it'll link to Rebels for Cause and we've already put up the coming soon uh, page. So we're, we've already gotten some of the speakers locked down and we're working on that. And uh, yeah, the the Courtney Turner podcast is up on CourtneyTurner.com. I did, uh, since I've been back, which was two days, I've already done five. So yeah, so we're busy. (laughs) You're always busy. Uh, Mel Kay couldn't take New York anymore. I don't blame you. Voted with your feet, as they say. I did. I did. Yeah, I finally left uh, New York City. I am in uh, Florida, the free state of Florida. Um, and, uh, thank you. I, I always love being here. It's always a, a nice departure. We from, love you. Uh, you know, you know, the whole thing. Oh yeah. Charlie, I got to get you on. We got, it's been too long. Let's do it. Um, uh, we will. Uh, but all of you are awesome and I really appreciate being here. Um, I am at the show.com. My main hub is rumble. Uh, that's where I, uh, I, every night, 7 PM, uh, I stream there. And then um, I have a lot of interviews and stuff, and I'm on every free speech platform. I, too, did not get back my Twitter, so I started a new one, at Mel K Show. Dropped the The Mel K Show, because that no longer can be used. And uh, I'm everywhere else, The Mel K Show. Thank you so much. I, I love all you people here. Thanks, you, Mel. Thanks for being here. I the fresh air. <laughs> we appreciate you. Um, Chuck, what is cooking over at the Achoe Effect? Got a few things going, uh, trying to get clearance for a podcast that uh, has been recorded, and now I've got a legal issue, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, So I'm not going to mention that right away, but I do produce uh, Get Mad with Chris Graves over there. The Ocelli Effect is usually five nights a week, although I've been ill lately uh, and uh, done a few less shows. You know, sorry, I only do three podcasts a week, all right? Uh, And uh, the other guys, you know, Chris does his thing. Uh, Aaron Franz, The Age of Transitions. And you can find us on radio apps. You can find us on anywhere where podcasts are, with the exception of our friends at GooTube, because uh, they got rid of me finally. Uh, and that's been about a while. time. Yeah, about time. I know, I know. Yeah. But I get I get fired from some of the best places, so it's uh, it's it's always fun. Anyways, well, we uh, app- really appreciate doing this with you, man. Thank you. And we appreciate you. I had Chris Graves on my radio show this uh, last Saturday. He was fantastic. We talked about false flags. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I, you know, as much fun as you can have talking about false flags, I suppose. Uh, Mark Steves was here. My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Uh, Sam Tripoli couldn't make it. You can check out Tinfoil Hat, everything Tinfoil Hat related. Go support him. He's on the road this summer. Go see his shows. Uh, Ricky Verandas, the Ripple Effect podcast is out. Catch his uh, episode with John Stockton, NBA Hall of Famer John Stockton. He gets good guests. He does. Midnight Mike, what's cooking with OBDM? Oh, you can check us out uh, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then Saturdays at noon. We're on Rumble now, and so you can check us out there. Um, 
Wednesdays, you know, I'm going to be covering for the next few Wednesdays time anomalies, time slips, the weird little time travel things, and covering the most recent news in UFO disclosure. And uh, my co-host Joe, the anarchist, he's back, so he's angry. So check it out. He's he's always fun to listen to. We uh, we love Joe. I love Joe's anger. I connect with it so much. He's got an interesting perspective. No he's, he's he's got an interesting perspective on life, and I like yeah. listening to him. I do too. Um, if you guys are in the New York City area on the weekend of September 11th, September 9th, 2023, and you're interested, Billy Ray Valentine, my good friend, is putting on something called Free World NYC. It's a presentation. I'll be speaking. Gardner Goldsmith, John Brisson, Tony Arterburn, Wayne McCroy, Don Jeffries, and Richard Gage. We will all be speaking wow. about 9-11 all-day event. If you're interested, go to eventbrite.com and just type in free world NYC. You'll see it. It's uh, uh, September 9th, Saturday, all day event. So check it out if you're in the, uh, if you're in the neighborhood. Macroaggressions. I have Jason Bassler on this week. He's, he's fantastic. We're talking a uh, free thought project and policing the police. So uh, check out that interview with Jason when you can. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Night, everybody. Thanks. Night. I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs>